0: 22, 1 through 10. Yeah. Let us, uh, and hopefully she can come back next Friday and just entertain us. Do a Jewish stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's a great, like, she's very punny. One of the punniest persons. Oh yeah, walk through Hezekiah's tunnel, oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Let's bless our Torah. for today. <laughs> Baruch <laughs> Atah Adonai Eloheinu melecha'ona Asher Baka mikor hamin Ve'inatananu etorato Baruch Atah Adonai No tegna Torah No tegna Bittadasha No tegna Yeshua Abou, we thank you once again for your word that has been faithfully, Lord, passed down through the ages and that tonight, Lord, we can glean from them your very inspired word. And as your word goes on, Lord, let it perform the work that it was meant to do. Give us insight, Lord, to your understanding of the scriptures. If you're in the spirit, Lord, your okay, we will talk to this, illuminate our minds, that tomorrow we can go and serve you even strong. And Yeshua's mighty name. you, and we all say, Amen. I'm to say one thing while we were in Montreal. I wanted to go house to house. Nobody wanted to know how to start. I don't know what happened. They all of a sudden, when I didn't know, what happened? It was too cold. It was negative. Oh, it was only like negative 20? <laughs> Come on. I'm not there often. In fact, I was shoveling snow. <laughs> no, don't no shovel snow. I said, no, I don't get to do this at all. Your much. wife's making snow angels. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think snow angels. She did stuck with like one foot of snow. <laughs> Maybe it's stuck in there like a loser. loser." So today we're going to look at Genesis 22. It says in the first verse, Now it came to pass about after these things. So we look at after what things? In the immediate context, it would be the surviving uh, interaction with Abimelech. And the next thing was the birth of the promised seed son. And the third thing would be the securing of the landholding, a piece of the promised land he actually secured. Now we look at, um, he was in Beersheba. This is a, a map of Beersheba. Can you get that next one? This is Tel Beersheba, so it kind of looks exactly like that. <laughs> this is one of the cities in Beersheba, uh, Tel El ba- Saba. And if you look on the bottom, we, look, we have this little well. You get that next picture, Mom? So you remember Abraham, he planted that tamarish tree right next to the well? There it is. <laughs> there it is. It's the exact tree. They pruned it a little. But you can go the next one. But what it is is that well, if you believe it or not, is 229 feet deep. So a tell, what a tell you is when one people group lives there and it gets old they just leave it there and they put dirt and they make it flat again and they make it as somebody else another uh, generation. generation and they, they just fill it up and so now it's uh, <laughs> so when Abraham was there he just got like five feet and the well was right there but it's 229 feet like a 20 star building and that's the kind of buildings that this guy hangs off of. <laughs> He hangs off the buildings, wow. cleaning windows. So oh, if you ever need your windows, cleaned? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he cannot be all there to actually go over, but he doesn't. So this is a picture of the well, and these two guys looking at the well. I was trying to find the one oh. to oh, me and Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> we were there together. So in Beersheba, there's maybe seven wells that were dug during that period, and I just, oh. Yeah, it's, it's the wells. Seven, seven, yeah. well. Yeah. 7 you land and seven. Um, well, seven. Yeah. And there is wells. There's seven. Yeah. This is another one, and hit it. Those are free. I think this one you have to pay to get in. It's the international well. So people go there and they have to pay to get in that one. So here, there's a lot of water in Yoshiva. <laughs> and this is another well. This hanging out hanging out on the outskirts of the city. And when you get there, you, there's this parking. the al <laughs> Abraham's well. <laughs> parking all over the place. So Abraham he planted a tree to illustrate the pulling down of his roots. I don't know if the tree actually provided shade for him by the time he passed away. But the most important thing was that he will be there for his lineage so that they can come and enjoy the sheep and understand his claim to that piece of the Promised Land. Now remember this was the first Jewish settlement and then he goes on to say that God tested Abraham. So how many tests did Jehovah give to Abraham? Anybody any guess? According to this uh, uh, higher <laughs> it's a nice round number anyway according to Maimonides also known as a, a Rabbi Rambam it was 10 tests that Abraham was administered now the rabbis also teach that according to Yitzhak's name the numerical value per letter it also comes out to 10 tests do you have those pictures? so this uh You see the letters the alphabets one through nine they're pretty much the same but when you go to ten it goes into multiples of ten all those letters and then from kof reish in tab and hundred 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 so this is how you're going to find out the name of the antichrist and remember what i did i did my name and i was way down at 280 something so i am not (laughs) that We settled that once <laughs> and for all. <laughs> so here's the next one. Uh, you saw Oh, you yeah? Yeah. Did you see what I wrote? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, not that. Sorry. told you we had. So this is Yitzhak and those are the four letters to his uh, name. You go in the next one? So the value of his name, Yod. Yod is ten. Actually it's the tenth letter of the alphabet. So with this Yod, the rabbis teach that Abraham will go through ten trials, ten testings, and it culminates with, with what we're studying tonight. Genesis 22, the binding of Yitzhak. So it's 10, and that because 10 tests that Abraham is taking. What is this, Sadiq? The value is 90. And what did we say about the 90? Who was 90 when uh, Yitzhak was born? Sarah. Sarah, yeah, Sarah. What's the next, Bill? Chet, so Chet is eight, and eight was he was the first Jewish person to get um, circumcised on the eighth day. So that's what the rabbis teach: the eight, the Chet, is the first Jewish people, first Jewish boy to get circumcised on the eighth day. And this one, I hope everybody gets this. off Kof is one hundred. Who's that represent? Abraham, alright, our female Abraham, our father Abraham. 100. So his, in his name, encapsulates, according to the rabbis, sometimes they have fanciful and very imaginative uh, understanding, but this one is pretty cool. Pretty right on. So Maimonides said that Abraham withstood all of the things, all of the testing that he, uh, encountered and he listed as follows. Maimonides, a rabbi from the maybe 11th 12th century. The first one is God tells him to leave his homeland to be a stranger in the land of Canaan. Did he pass that test? Yeah he passed it. He left it. No problem. He withstood it and he passed the test. The second one is immediately after his arrival in the promised land, he encounters a famine. He withstood that, but did he do what Yehovah uh, called him to do? Actually, Yehovah told him to stay one place, but he ended up moving. So he kind of failed, kind of wavered. The third test, according to Maimonides, is the Egyptians seized Sarah and they brought her to Pharaoh. Did he pass that test? No. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he lied his way to that no, thing. And he just brought on a bad name for himself. So he withstood it. He survived the test, but he didn't pass the test. The fourth thing was, Abraham faces incredible odds in the battle of the four kings and the five kings that came down from the north to invade the, the land of Sodom. Did he Was he victorious in that yeah. test? Yeah. So he withstood the test. He was victorious. He saved Lot. The, uh, the pharaoh gave uh, was uh, no Sodom. The king of Sodom handsomely gave him a reward by the king of Sodom. So he passed that test with flying colors. Fifth thing, my mom, he said that he marries a daughter after not being able to have children in Sarah So he withstood that test. Did he pass the test or did he fail the test? He failed the test despite going ahead of Yehovah's Lamo'ed which is the appointed time because it was exactly one year to the day that the Lord said he was going to bless her one year later Isaac comes up so even though they went ahead and Ishmael came out and became the father of the Arab nations who have since then till today cursed or troubled the Jews even till today so, like I was saying before, the, the events that occurred in Genesis still affect us to today. The sixth thing that my mom did say, God tells him, hang on, people, God tells him to circumcise himself at in advance. So he's old now. And the, the Lord tells him, Circumcise yourself, everybody, and the kids, and all your servants. Did he pass that test? Yeah, but like, hey, Maka, he just, he was on it. So he would still that test and he was obedient. And he actually passed that test with flying colors. He did everybody. He was like, uh, Tanaka of Tokyo, you gotta go in there. <laughs> <laughs> all that meat, like, all, all the fat, just out of them. He survived. He survived? He's <laughs> open. Oh, so like, what? <laughs> well, he had a good teacher, I right? guess. So to me, he's a tough dude man i mean self-circumcision i think he might have been the first person in the world to do that i mean yowza i mean to me that's probably one of the reasons why king Abimelech didn't want to have nothing to do with Allah. Like, i want a peace treaty bro this, you, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, he made the cut. And he didn't want to be like, I don't want to be. I want to be spared. You know, I don't want to be in your house, but I just want to be a teacher. So that's one of the reasons. Number seven, the king of Gerar captures Sarah, intending to take her for himself. in fact he did. Right, he took her into his harem, and then he actually tells Abraham, "You know what? You better be good to me because I never touch your wife. I didn't touch her think. it wasn't you, it was the Lord keeping you from her, so you're lucky but anyway, he was asking uh, (laughs) Abraham to be nice to him and receive his uh, thanks, so did he pass? despite his lies, he survives what happened was he jeopardized the promised seed aspect of the Abrahamic covenant so imagine if Abraham died or if Abimelech had a child with Sarah. That would be the end of the line. But remember, it's an unconditional covenant. Despite how uh, Abraham acts, the Lord will act on his behalf no matter what. So he passed that test, even though he lied. Uh, Number eight, God tells him to send Hagar away after having a child with her. So what, what happened there? Sarah asked Abraham to expel Hagar. And what does he do? He does it. He waits. Yehovah then advises him and then he listens to Sarah The otherwise he listen to your wife. That's good, you know. Every man should listen to our wives, right? Up to that point. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. He just said, listen to your wife. She's smart. So he passed. He listened. It was difficult, but he passed. The ninth thing he said that his son Ishmael becomes estranged so Abraham's son, whom he loved, it was his only son, but it was the son of the flesh. He wasn't the son of the promise. So he was over 13 years to 17 years. Abraham, that was his only boy he had, but he complies with Sarah's request and wishes because while well, everyone was celebrating at the weaning celebration, right? We had we get the one-year vivid um, and a party do all. For them, it's three to five years old, and they have a winging Luau, right? And and like like for Abraham, it was for him. Now he can have contact with Sarah again, right? So he can have her, and he the party is for him. Just like here, the Luau, the baby is one years old. They don't know what's going on. The parents are partying, and everybody is frolicking and having a good time. So while everyone was celebrating his son's meeting Ishmael was mocking this child. He was the prayer on read was itzah king so he was mocking he was laughing in a mocking manner and what sarah saw was the mocking that he had learned from his mother Hagar. so he passed that test at the final test god tells him to sacrifice his dear son Yitzhak upon the altar here is the tenth and final testing to prove Abe's complete love and obedience to the Lord. Will he pass this final test? You will see. And that was uh, verses 1a and b. Now we on 1c. And said to Abraham, and he said, He made me, or here I am. He said, I am here, Lord and I'm listening intently before it was hard for me to listen because I was worried about all these things but now I understand who you are and what you are. Now the Lord's commands in this next verse would be difficult for any of us to adhere to or to keep. Uh, I have a son. He has a son. He have a son. He got son. two sons. If I was posed this question, I don't know what I would do. I mean, who could give up their son? Nobody. I I couldn't. I mean, when I try to feel the heart of Abraham, it's like, wow, that's got to hurt. So with each phrase that the Lord is telling him, it's like a steel stick driven deeper and deeper into Abraham's heart with every lie So, Abe thought that sending away his first son, Ishmael, the son of the flesh, was difficult and hard to do. This event will be exponentially more heart wrenching to follow through with than the first one. What to me this is a picture of is is there anything in, in your life, in my life, that you love more than the God who created us? Is there anything? TV or your friend or your wife, kids. Is there anything that is preeminent in your life? Let the Lord be the first and foremost life. You know? Verse 2, it says, By your hair," it says, He said, He says, Take now that beloved son of yours. I know, Abraham, you used to... to um, a lamb or a bull. you use it to that. But I'm going to tell you, take your beloved son, not a lamb or the bull. This is the first palm of the stake into Abraham's heart. And he says, Et Your only son, Yachid is one. Echad is one of many a plurality. This is Yachid, this one. The only one you got that was promised. This is the second blow in Alabama. What's going to happen? And he says, "Asher ahavta, ahavta, Asher ahavta, whom you love with all your heart." The third pound, the third swing into Yitzhak, and then he says, "Who? Yitzhak, Isaac." And the Lord is saying, "Oh, by the way, this is no laughing matter." This is an affair of your heart. The fourth blow. And then he says, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there, Leola, as a burnt offering. Imagine what he's feeling. What? A human sacrifice? The final and hardest blow was delivered. And on one of the mountains of which I will tell you, So the mountain we know is identified as Mount Moriah, which means scene of Yehovah. Yehovah foresees this place to be the place of a human sacrifice. Is it going to occur now? We will find out. (laughs) 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 Which up until this time, up until the law of Moses was not lawfully forbidden human sacrifice okay so i know we had stars right in hawaii when the volcano is going we have to find out the virgin and if you throw her in and it's still <laughs> erupting in i guess she wasn't a like, well, virgin I mean? <laughs> right until they stop but same thing same idea so this place would be the exact place of her of a horrific scene of god upon that wood the cross And he himself would be the lamb to be killed in place of others. Now this act must be carried out by Abraham deliberately. He has to be composed. His state of mind has to be sharp. And also, it has to be worshipful. (laughs) That's hard. I don't know how he did it. This same attitude Yeshua had during his trial and crucifixion same thing. He was deliberate, composed, he didn't turn his face to the smiters, that like flint. He just went for it. So you remember Ishmael, what does that mean? Heard of God or God shall hear? And Moriah means seen of God. So the God that Abraham now is serving is the God who speaks, who hears, and who sees. Now, this is interesting because his dad, Terak, was what? He was an idol worshiper. And so was Abraham. The true test was, could he forsake these idols? Who have eyes but cannot see. Who have mouth but cannot speak. Who have ears but cannot hear. Will he be able to forsake those idols and lovingly worship the one true God, Yehovah, with all he had? We're going to see in this next verse. So Abraham, verse 3, rose early in the morning. If that wasn't me the night before, I'd probably have a sleepless night. Restless, uh, restless leg syndrome, or whatever. <laughs> I see it on TV. RLS. He probably had a hard night of sleep. Now most farmers wake up early anyway, right? To tend the animals. But this morning is very different. It says and saddled his donkey. The Hebrew word is homoro. When you read it in the English letter, it looks like chomoro. <laughs> hey, we need some tomorrow friends. <laughs> what was a <the> donkeys? <laughs> well, it's not, his He saddled his donkeys and he took two of his young men. A young man, Nassar, means servants who grew up as children under in Abraham's household as servants. And now there are young adult servants with him and Yitzhak, his son. So there are four men who are part of this trek from Be'er Shiva to Mount Moriah. And he says, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he prayed, he prayed the thing that was heaviest on his mind. It was the wood, the wood that had to burn the offering. Imagine what his thoughts are going through in his mind. What if that was my own son? It's almost like walking him down a um, death row. You know, at the end is the execution and they're ready to, I don't know how they do it nowadays, I like guess, lethal injection. That would be hard. So his faith is being really tested this time. It's like the climax of the test. Now remember last week we talked about what happened at the Tower of Babel. The Hebrew word for confused was balal. Which means a mixing, a mixing up of words or twisting of the words. And what words were they mixing? It says in Hebrew, it's their language. What was their language at the time of the Tower of Babel? Is Hebrew. So Hebrew is the language of God, the first language ever. So in many languages there are traces of the Hebrew language. In some languages there are exact same words with the exact same meanings. And one of them was in Hawaiian is make or maki means death, to die. Now Yehovah makke in hebrew means the god who smites the god who causes to die in hawaiian and in hebrew they have the exact same meaning the exact same word and that's how the mixing not all the words will be the same but there will be some that come out of the mix that may match olah is another word Ola. In Hawaiian and Hebrew it has opposite meanings. In Hebrew and Hawaiian it's it's the opposite of the spectrum. Ola in Hebrew means burnt offering or sacrifice. What does it mean in Hawaiian? Ola. It means life. Ola means life. So Ola, if I tell my Hebrew friend, Olah, it's death. If you tell me Olah, you're telling me life and live. But if you put those both meanings with the meanings behind the words, it's interesting. I see it as Yeshua was the sacrifice offered on the cross. And that same sacrifice gives life, gives Ola, to all who receives His offering. So that death was Ola, was a sacrifice. But because of that sacrifice, He gives us Ola. He gives us life eternally. That's pretty interesting, yeah? How from the Torah of Babel, you would think that, ah, oh, does he just made any kind of languages? No. It was confused, and it was a mixture of Hebrew words that somehow, I mean, I know a different language I took. I mean, in Greek, they, they also have some direct translations over it only the S words, right? And the SH. So Greek, there's no uh, SH sounds, but there's no the more SH. It only has only the sigma they don't have that. Verse 4. On the third day Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. So two days pass. He's walking into the land. On the third day he can finally set his eyes upon this target several miles away. Now caravans travel at at a pace of about 20 miles a day. Now four men with a pack animal could probably cover 25 to 30 miles a day so 50 to 75 miles could have been traversed so we have uh, this this uh I forget what it's called it's a map calculator you just put it in the places so it says from one point in Nersheba to Mount Royal is 40 miles give or take a few miles say 40 to 50 miles so these men took their time going maybe 18 miles a day now day three they may have um, had four to eight miles to go and they see the mountain of Yehovah, Mount Moriah you get that next man. so you got four to eight so they they were down in Rehsheba and they got up to Hebron so from Hebron to Moriah Mount Moriah is 16 miles So they're probably between Hebron and Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is just two miles right out of Jerusalem. It's like really close. So they're between Hebron and Bethlehem and you can see Mount Moriah. Verse five, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the Chamorro, with the donkey. And I, and the land, will go over there and we will worship and return to you. So they reach a certain point at Mount Moriah, uh, either at the base or somewhere close to the place that Abe had to build the altar. So Abraham and his son separate from the servants. Now this kind of reminds me of how Yeshua would separate himself from everybody and go and worship the Father and pray to the Father. So he informs his servants that he and Yitzhak will be going a ways away and we will both worship Jehovah. You know, and you know what guys? We both shall return. I'll be back. As a was telling them. So okay, the guy What's his name Was Abraham said that first. So why is Abraham, who was so like iffy in the beginning, Faithfulness or little faith? Why is it now he's so confident that he and his son will definitely return? We see throughout the passages up to verse uh, up to chapter twenty-two, his faith has now become unwavering. He went from little faith to much faith. He went from liar to covenant maker. He went from being disrespected to being respected in his community, in his peers, even by the king of Imelech. Now according to Yehovah's covenantal promise, he's believed that even if his only son of the promise would be sacrificed, Yehovah would guarantee bring him back to life or resurrected because he's sovereign. According to the covenant would have to sire a son from his own loins. in order to do that for Yehovah's covenant to come to pass and be fulfilled Yisak must remain alive. And he did. So this is illustrative of what will befall Hamashiach. Hamashiach will have to pay this price. This price will not be paid for right now. Verse 6 Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Yitzhak, his son. So the wood that was chopped, he put it on top of Yitzhak, just as Yeshua carried the tree on his back. Again, this is a precursor of what is to come to Hamashiach. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife. You guys got that, the fire and the knife? You guys see any significance in that? Here is a great example of how Avraham was the first Polynesian. He was the first fire knife dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. he's pretty nuts. I mean, hey look at that, he started, even today, we have fire knife competitions at the Polynesian culture. So. One day I'm going, i out. You go, <laughs> you go say, a big Avraham! <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them walked together. Now, don't think that's serious, okay? I'm sure from here is like serious. So Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Avi, my father. And he said, "He me then here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You got that other picture Mom? So you see all these cities, right? So by the way, Dad, when we left home, I noticed one little thing. He brought the fire knife, and then you can do the dance. You got the wood. But you forgot one little thing. You forgot to bring the sacrificial lamp. I am saying, like, what's going on? And then as we passed these cities, Rehopa, Bron, Salem, Bethlehem many towns many cities he didn't even purchase one and now that we have arrived at the place of worship and looking for a spot to build the altar we still do not have the major ingredient which is the sacrificial lamb now verse 8 says abraham said god will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering my son so the two of them walked on together The ASV, which is Arnold's favorite translation, it says for Genesis 22, 8, and Abraham said, God will provide himself. You guys got that? He will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So he could have bought the livestock, the lamb from any one of those cities along the way, but there was no lamb to be bought. So, this is Elohim Yere Lo. Now, Lo is a preposition. It means two or four or um, in regard to himself, which is Elohim. So, if Elohim was speaking, it would be reflexive or reflective of himself. I will provide myself as a lamb. But since Abraham is talking, he's saying Elohi will provide regard to himself as being the Lamb. That is the thrust of this passage. Of some of the clues that we can get is after the fall, when Jehovah was judging Satan in Genesis three fifty. What, what did he say? He says that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between thy seed tzete, and the woman's seed And he shall bruise your head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So he would get a death blow. So what we learn here is that a child would be born from a woman who would hit a blow, who would get a hit, a blow in the ankle from Satan or Satan. But this child will deliver a death blow one day to Satan in his head. So we know today that that would be who? Yeshua HaMashiach yesu christo as we say in Hawaii, or jesus the christ so that's one of the clues that we can find that he will be himself right after they get expelled in the in the final uh, verses of chapter 3 in genesis 4 1 there's a there's a cool passage right here so they got expelled from the garden and this is what eve was thinking that god himself would be born to her as her firstborn son which would be the firstborn child ever in human history and she was right she is correct in her first inference that God would become a man and be born of a woman and then we find out in Isaiah 7 14 that it was Alma, a virgin woman but she was incorrect in thinking that she would bear the redeemer and savior of the world at this time because if you look at faith nothing like yeshua right nothing so in verse 1 of genesis 4 it says it means and adam knew chava or eve his wife and he says when they knew each other she conceived and then it says vatelel et kain and she bore kain she gave birth to kain and he goes on to say "Batomer khaniti ish et yehovah and she said I have gotten a man yehovah so she believed that when she gave birth to Cain, the man that was promised in Genesis 3 15 was yehovah himself you the one with the next one? So it says, Batele et Kain. Kain is king. Batele et Kain. And then Et Yehovah. What that is, is if they use um, with the help of for Et, Et is a direct object marker. It's not a subject, but it's the direct object the noun so the, if they're gonna say with the help of Yehovah he would have been born with the help of Cain so the only way that you can see this passage is she thought that it was Yehovah himself so you add 315 with this and with what Abraham, Abraham is saying now is that God will provide himself because he will be a man and he will die for the sins of the world. So verse 9. Then they came to a place of which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son itself and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Can he do it? So we're gonna stop there because it's kind of 840. Really. so this is just a side-by-side analysis of the sacrifice of Yitzhak and the sacrifice of Yeshua. <laughs> sacrifice did he take away the seeds? no. he said yeah he did. he was Abraham's only son. he was Abba's only son. one rides the donkey one rides the donkey. They both carried the wood. One got caught in the thicket, in the thorns. The other one was crowned with thorns. One agreed to be sacrificed. He didn't resist, just as Yeshua didn't resist. Mount Moriah is right outside the city of Selah. And it's the same place that Yeshua is in Calvary. <laughs> and God will provide the land. And God himself is the land. So if you guys can remember those things that from the beginning, from the beginning, God is gonna come and dwell with us in one heaven. And now he went back to heaven, but he's gonna come back and we gotta be ready. And so um Can so I mentioned one thing that Jacques Isaac Abizon teaches about this? Yeah, of he says also you have the uh two men and the donkey two men the two servants and the donkey we see also the donkey at the beginning of his ride into Jerusalem and the two men of course that he was crucified between so there are two men involved in both those stories wasn't one one of them um, apostle Paul's dad right one of the two that was crucified (laughs) yeah he said Paul said Yeshua was crucifying. He's okay. <laughs> crucified. <laughs> He's crucified my woman. That's not, I thought she was the best. That's, that's Arnold's joke. <laughs> so when we took Arnold's courses here at the at the Bible College, everybody like, oh, wow, Paul's oh, dad was the other. <laughs> Like, Crucified, my old man. <laughs> so and then, oh man, it just broke me up. And he's so serious. <laughs> I thought she would call me I a mean, like, It's a okay. let us pray, let us um, consider like, how deep the love of God is for us that we're here enjoying ourselves and loving Him and worshiping Him. We were always on His mind. Before we were yet formed in the womb, right? Mean, he knew us. And you know, we, how crazy this world is getting. I mean, it's getting to be like something. In the so we know the Lord is drawing near and we keep looking up, but we gotta look out to we gotta look, like, reach out. Reach out to people, like what they do in Montreal. We can do it over here. Easy. But we gotta have we, we got, got tools. Name. We got tools. You see, that's what we need. These tools. So let's just keep that in mind. Then. We gotta work hard till the Lord comes, and after that, we're gonna resting in. It, and then when we come into the new kingdom, we're gonna be working, but we're gonna be, you know, glorified already. So we got great things in store for us. But our abundant life includes today, includes tomorrow. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for this evening and how Your Word is so graphic and picturesque and illustrative. Your workmanship is truly awesome. And that for us, Lord, to glean from it, like one beggar trying to glean and give bread to another beggar. You've created us all equal you are a great God we thank you for humbling yourself by leaving on the cross God, teach us your ways Lord right? get us strengthened in the faith that was once delivered to the apostles and that as we grow up we can grow out meet the needs Lord of the people that don't know you go to the Jew first Lord and then to the Gentiles Give us that heart, Lord, your heart, your passions. Teach us your ways, Lord. Let us number our days. For the days are few. And the work is plentiful. But the workers are few. So Lord, we ask for your vision and your insight that you might instill in us like what needs to be done here in your we ask you move in and through us and show us what you want on this earth. We love you and we praise you, and you show us in Shua's